0: 2 Timothy chapter number 3, if you've been around the church any length of time, and I'm going to preface this message by saying this, I I try very hard, um, of course being led by the Holy Spirit of God, not to get up behind this pulpit and just have reactionary preaching. Okay, When I say reactionary preaching, um, I've actually heard pastors respond to it this way, that if a certain type of person or something walked into their church and they saw them walk in, they would change their entire message to be able to preach a certain message. Well, my thought is the Lord can tell us ahead of time um, what needs to be preached, okay? And that's exactly what He's done today, not reactionary preaching, but I do want to do some responsive preaching, okay? And I, I don't want you to think that that I have um, my head in the sand over what's taking place around this world right now. And I want to be able to have my, my pulse on the temperature of our church and on the feelings of our church, the conversations of our church, and may I say right now the uncertainty that's in people's lives because of what's taking place around this world, okay? And so I want to be able to share a few thoughts with us And really, it would be, if I I had to entitle anything, it would be a response to the current world situation. Now, unless um, you've just locked yourself away and have not read any news um, or checked any social media whatsoever, um, you know what's taking place around this world is not Christ-honoring. Just in one city... Um, from the number that I was given in the southeast corner of Ukraine over the past four or five days, um, there was between 1,300 and 1,500 civilians that were killed um, in that southeast city that's down there on the coast, um, Mary I believe it is. And so we see these things that are happening. We see uprisings. We see and hear about wars. I will say this. I'm so appreciative um, after these past two weeks, and I'm sure some of you are, that there wasn't 24-7 news coverage when we were in Vietnam or during World War II. But it's just nonstop today. You understand and have to go to the gas station the same way everybody else does you have to go to the grocery store the same way everybody else does, okay? May I say this, that the saved folks have to go to the same gas pump that the lost folks. I don't, I don't pull up to the gas station and have a card reader there that says, oh, you're a Christian, you get 50% off. doesn't happen when you go to buy groceries, okay? What I'm saying is I'm bringing this to reality, so that we're all on the same page so that we know we're all going through this together. And then we're going to look at the scriptures on what's the what's what's a biblical response to the current world situation. Okay? When you go into the grocery store, you go to pay your electric bill, you can't put a gospel track inside your electric bill, and they automatically deduct 40% off. Okay? In fact, the way things are going, and you know this as well as I do, the way things are going, it would be you pull up to someplace like that, and they'll add 40% if you say that you're a Christian, okay? So we start looking at this, and I want you to know that I am fully aware of what has taken place around this world and what's taken place in our nation and in our city, Okay? And I want you to see this with me, and we're going to look at some scriptures today, and I'm just going to try to help us in a very real and common sense way to what's taking place and what our response ought to be, okay? We're warned about this throughout the entire New Testament, okay? Now look it with me, and we're not going to read the entire chapter. We could, but let's start off with verse number one. Here is the Apostle Paul that's writing to a young pastor, writing to Timothy, okay? I went over this in the prison yesterday. Timothy would be what we know as the pastor at the church at Ephesus, okay? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, I believe it's around verse number 3, Paul says, For this reason left I thee at Crete, I mean at Ephesus, okay? And Titus was at Crete. But in 2 Timothy 3, look at this first phrase in verse number 1 that Paul gives to Timothy. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. So we have this information that is being given. Now, according to the first century church, they believe, just like we looked at on Thursday... When John was addressing young believers and said, It is the last time. They believed they were living in the last days. They believed the Lord was coming back soon. Well, since this, we've had about 1,970 years that have passed, okay? And we're still living in the last days. You say, How long's the last days till Jesus comes back? So living in the last days, and Paul is exhorting and trying to encourage this young pastor, this church in Ephesus, which if you go back and read, was a church that was on fire for the Lord. They were, they, were, they were serving the Lord. They were doing what was right. By the time you get to Revelation chapter 2, the Lord says, I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. So from this point, in the next 30 to 35 years, they've gone away from their first love. But here, Paul's writing to the pastor here, Timothy, and he says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, that word perilous, simply go back to Noah Webster's dictionary, and he defines it as this, perilous meaning dangerous, hazardous, and full of risk. Boy, if that doesn't describe the days that we're living in. We can also go back into the Gospels as the Lord Jesus Christ is describing what's going to be coming, talks about the days of Noah, then talks about that there's going to be wars, there's going to be rumors of wars, and we have both of them today. We wake up this morning to hear that our embassy over in Iraq. There was actually some missiles that landed uh, close to our embassy in Iraq from across the border. I said this about a week and a half ago. Someone was asking me, and they said, is this the end times just kicking into high gear right now? I said, you wait and watch to see when Israel enters into the equation. I said, because Israel's going to be the center during the end times. We just went through the whole book of Revelation last year, so I don't need to re-preach all of that, okay? But I said, you wait and watch when Israel starts coming into the equation. Guess who went up, tried to negotiate a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine? The Israeli prime minister. And I said, you start watching these things, okay? Okay. So we see this, the warning that came as Paul was talking to Timothy that in the last days perilous times would come, hazardous times, dangerous times, full of risk. You say, well, pastor, what is our response to it? You know as well as I do, I'm not one to go run and hide. Now, I'm not one to go pick a fight, but I'm not going to walk away from one either. And I will say this, our church doors are going to be open as long as God allows us to be able to keep the church doors open. Okay? It's not against the law to go to church. Now, common things, we're going to keep the bread going out there on the table. You say, what difference does that make? Well, wheat went up 33% over the past week and a half. We'll, we'll have bread out there on the table. If you need groceries, if you need to get picked up for church or something, I mean, let us know. We're going to need our church family, but I'll get into that here in just a moment. You say, what's our response? He comes down through here. First, he begins showing the spiritual perilous times about the spiritual condition that people will be in, and he starts off by saying, for men shall be lovers of their own selves okay and he gives this list all the way down through here gets down to verse number 5 saying having a form of godliness okay so we see the spiritual perilous times that he warns that are going to come and may i remind us of this that I believe that this falling away that is described in the scriptures are people that are stepping away from the faith and they're stepping away from assembling together. We're warned that that's going to come, okay? We're told that these perilous times, but we automatically always think about perilous times that it's just going to be the physical things that are around us, but he automatically goes and describes the spiritual condition that will be prevalent during these, these perilous times. He goes in and talks about not just the spiritual things, but then he goes talking into physical things. He t- starts talking about his persecutions and afflictions, which came upon him in verse number 11. Okay, at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. OK? So he's talking about spiritual things. He starts mentioning physical things. And like I'm saying, listen, the saved person is still paying the same 419 a gallon as what the lost person is. You know what the difference? The only difference is, is we know what the end result's going to be as we have Jesus that's waiting for us. Okay, we know that we have hope after this world. You say, well, pastor, with all these things taking place, and there's not one person that's seated here or watching online that wouldn't say things are getting bad quick, and it's going to continue to get worse. So what should we do? Number one, continue faithfully. You say, where do you get that? keep reading in the same context of scripture. He lists all these things. Now, listen, can you imagine? I've tried to imagine being Timothy and receiving this letter from Paul. What, what a letter of encouragement. <laughs> I mean, as a young pastor, here here comes this letter and, and wonderful encouragement and tells everything that's going to take place. But we get down to number uh, number 14, verse number 14, after he says in 12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, and evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, verse 14, but... Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Can I encourage us, not just in our spiritual lives, but in our physical lives, you say, what's the response to what's taking place around this world? Continue faithfully. You say, continue in what? The things that thou hast learned. You ever heard this statement, don't doubt in the night what you know to be true in the light? Okay? And there's going to be some testing of some faith. I'm not talking about in this matter of salvation. I'm talking about do we believe God? Now, you and I would both admit it's a little easy to believe God that God's going to take care of everything when gasoline's $1.25 a gallon. How many remember that two years ago? Wasn't that wonderful? We're looking around looking for the 99 cent. I mean, we're looking for the cheap things. But listen, the same God still on the throne. And I'm not going to get out. I do not want to be a cause of doubt in your life complaining about everything that's taking place. Now, there is a difference, and I know we tow this line real good. There's a difference between complaining and we're just being a realist and stating the facts. A lot of that comes down to the tone in which we're doing. I love getting the information. But can I say this? What God's encouraging us is when these perilous times come, continue In the things that thou hast learned, you've learned that God's faithful. So continue in that. You say, but pastor, I don't have this entire path that's laid out in front of me. He never said he'll give you an entire path laid out in front of you. But he did say that his word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And sometimes we just need to come to Jesus talk with ourselves and say this is what I know to be right and I need to continue. Now do you understand that in order to continue something you have to start something. There's a lot trying to continue and they never started. Continue in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Listen. You know God's on the throne. Don't doubt it now. You know God's going to provide. You know God's going to meet the need. Now listen, we all love to run to Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know where we misapply that verse many times? We think we get to define the need. When God knoweth, according to Matthew chapter number six, that your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of these things. And God said, listen, you've learned this. You've heard this. Now, here's where the burden comes back on the teachers and has been assured of who taught you, (laughs) of who you've learned them from. And I thought, boy, more than ever, now I say this? If you are in a position of teaching or discipling or training another Christian, more than ever, it is time to continue in what you've known to be true. Continue faithfully. Brother Hebert and I were talking about it this week. It's amazing how many of these things boil down to the simple things. Read your Bible. Can I, can I say this? I, I, there's been a, we, we've always had a wonderful spirit inside of our church, and I'm thankful for that. But can I say, it seems like for the past two and a half months, boy, it seems like God's just taken it to another level with us. You know why that is? More time in the Word. There's more, I believe, and some that have never done it before that are reading their Bible on a regular basis. I say praise the Lord for it. Do you understand in in all the services on Thursday, in both services, I think total we had 105 in services on Thursday. If you're missing it, you're missing it. Out of that group, 33 people said their memory verse out of the scriptures on Thursday. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was excited. I said, I'm more excited about that than, than almost... I was more excited about that than actually teaching and preaching on Thursday night. Just excited about being able to have the emphasis on the Word of God. It's a, what a difference it makes. Continue in those things. Stay faithful in the Scriptures. Stay faithful in prayer. Spend time with the Lord. Where could I go but to the Lord? And go to Him in prayer. Okay, spend time in the scriptures. You say, pastor, I don't know what to do next. Then as Elizabeth Elliot said, when you don't know what to do next, when you don't have the whole path, just do the next thing. (laughs) Do the next right thing. That's it. You just take that next step and let God keep guiding and directing each step as you're going. Continue faithfully. You may have a harder time swallowing this next one. Turn back with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Can I say through this time, don't just continue faithfully, but number 2, pray for our leaders. You want me just to move on or you want me to read scripture in relation to this? He doesn't say what to pray for. I'm not anyway. (laughs) Let me show you what the Bible says. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look what Paul said. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then he goes on to explain. For kings, well, aren't you glad we don't live in a monarchy? For kings, oh, and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good. What is good? Us praying and us living a peaceful life. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, look at this, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Do you understand we have a biblical responsibility? You say, but they're the ones that are causing these perilous times. The scriptures do not say pray for them if you're in agreement with them. Do you know how many times, and and the Lord's my witness, on how many times I've prayed for President Obama. I'm President Obama. I prayed for him too, by the way. President Biden and Vice President Harris and Governor Sununu and our executive council, our representatives, our senators, the U.S. House, the U.S. Senate. You know how many times I've prayed for him? You say, Pastor, is that because you want to? I've got a command from Scripture. Now, I'm praying for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying that God will put someone in their path because there is nothing that's taking place around this world that a good dose of the gospel won't take care of. Hey, what do you think would make a difference over in Russia except that verse, love thy neighbor as thyself? That'd probably make a difference, wouldn't it, right now? You know what I've prayed these past couple weeks and shame on me that I wasn't praying it months in advance praying that God would put someone in Putin's place to be able to share the gospel with him. Put someone in Zelensky's uh, realm and circle there to be able to share the gospel with them. Because listen, at one of these points, both of them leaders are going to go out into eternity. And boy, can you imagine if, if they got saved? Do you imagine what a difference it would make if world leaders started trusting Christ as their savior? You say, but pastor, they're the the cause of all this. I'm praying for them, but I'm not going to tell you it's not fit to be worded in church what I'm praying will take place. I'm praying, first of all, for their salvation. Now, I'm not saying we're like that old boy, South Louisiana, this guy that got saved and he hadn't been discipled too often, but he walked back into them same bars that he went and frequented the Friday nights before. And man, he'd pull an old guy off the bar stool there and put him down on the ground, put a 45 to his head, and say, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? His pastor said we need to work on his evangelism a little bit and his tack a little bit. But he got the point. I'm not saying that's what's being done, but I'm saying we need to be praying. One of these days they're going out into eternity. And you know as well as I do the difference. Some of you grown up in some and and had some religious leaders in in the nation. At least they were peaceable towards the gospel and towards the church and what happens is we start getting complacent and we don't pray as often as we should and I believe that sometimes these perilous times are allowed to come in order for us to get the burden back to be able to be spending time in prayer and praying for those leaders that are there over us. Furthest one to the left. There you go. (laughs) God puts those things in our paths to be praying for. Listen, we have a responsibility. You say, well, I'm just not out and doing as much as I should. I can't go out to eat like I should because of the gas prices. Hey, there may be some things that it would be okay to cut out of our lives. Hey, I've already started talking with Miss Crystal. And I'm not running scared, but I said, listen... I said, we're looking at our lives. What if things start going five, six, seven, eight dollars? I said, we still have a ministry. We still have to, we're going to go reach people. I said, I'm still going to pastor this church. I said, and be able to go reach them. I said, but what else would I need to cut out if I need to? And I said, well, just the responsibility. You say, I'm not going out as much. I'm not doing this. Do you know every church I know of that was, that was open and staying faithful to the Lord during COVID over the past two years? They thrived during that time. And I'm not just talking with attendance. I'm talking finance-wise too. And I said, I, I wonder if actually giving just got to the normal level where it ought to be. Because people weren't spending money on everything else. So they said, well, we're going to give to the church and give to the Lord like we're supposed to anyway. And we didn't consume it upon our lusts. And I said, but we have a responsibility. say, I'm not doing all these other things. Spend time in prayer. What about praying for our leaders? You say, I don't like them. Do you know there's, there's not a command to pray for your friends? But there is a command to pray for our enemies and those that despitefully use us and persecute There is that command. And I sit back and say, Lord, what do we do in these times? Pray for our leaders. Continue faithfully in that which we've heard. Listen, these are just practical things. Now, Now, understand this. You say, well, I prayed today. That doesn't mean you pull up to the gas pump and the numbers are automatically going to go down. But here's what all that does. It doesn't change the situation on the outside, but what it does is it changes us. It changes us. What are we supposed to do? What's our response to what's going on here? Can I, can I close with this thought? And I don't think I'll do it in three minutes. You're, you're going to hope I do. But look what Hebrews chapter 10 says. What do we do? What's our response during this time? Do you know I've heard more than one testimony that they've been having church services over in Ukraine? I actually read an entire testimony that, that city down the southeast corner, of Maripol, if that's how it's pronounced. Um, and they've been talking about the church services they've been having there. And one person wrote back about how many times they've been at the church and they sing and, and they're, they're feeding them twice a day if they're able to. And, and uh, they've said this. They said there's destruction all around us. They said we don't even have the time. And, and I, I'm not meaning to get too graphic or anything. We don't even have the time to go up and be able to pick up the casualties that's around us. They said we're in the basement of the church and we're meeting and we're singing and there's preaching going on and uh, souls are being saved. Now, it, it may be their last week on the face of the earth. But let's read Hebrews chapter 10. Look what he says in verse number 22. He's talking about our prayer life. We still need to be praying. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and look at verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." This day that he's talking about approaching is the last days. It's the day of the Lord that is coming. And you know what he's saying here? He mentions two things. One, we're supposed to be considering one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We're supposed to continue to encourage and assemble. Encourage and assemble. You say, well, I knew we'd get there. That's what every pastor says. You're supposed to just be in church. Can I say this? even though God gives me a message for every time I'm supposed to stand up here and preach. He gives me a message. I can't say every time I've obeyed him. Sometimes it's been my message and I regretted it afterwards. God gives a message every time. Can I say this? He doesn't say to make sure that you're here because you have to hear what pastor has to say or pastor's preaching this because he loves to hear himself talk. That's not the principle that's here. We gather together for encouragement and edification as the body of Christ. You know what it is as we see the day approaching? As the perilous times are coming, do you know what's a blessing? To be able to gather together and be able to know, you know something? We're all in this thing together and you're okay. Do you know there's people walking around towns right now? That I've I've read the testimony of their walking around town asking someone from what part of the city they live in, and do they know so and so who knows so and so and know so and so to be able to see if their family members and friends are still alive. I said, You know what one of the joys is about being able to be able to come and to be able to assemble is we know each other's okay. We know each other's all right. We can encourage each other and say, hey, you made it. We're praying for you. We're encouraging you. Listen, we have, we have a man right here. He's doing everything he can do to be able to find a job around where he lives. Everything he can do. You know what I did on Thursday night? Listen, I don't have a, a job downtown that I, that I own all these companies to be able to say, here's a job for you to be able to take. But we were able to pray together. And you know what it was on Thursday? It didn't one bit change the outside situation that he had a job by the time he walked out of the prayer meeting, but we both walked out of there encouraged. Both walked out encouraged. And can I encourage us today? You say, what are we supposed to do? Don't forsake the assembly. Your church family needs you. They need you. You say, well, I don't need the church family. That's like saying you don't need your right arm. We get one of our church members, I haven't said anything publicly. One of our church members getting ready to go in for surgery here pretty quick and they're taking his only working thumb. You say, well, that's no big deal. That's because it's not your thumb. But when we start saying, oh, I don't need that church body, try being a thumb operating without a body. Saying, I don't need my right hand, I don't need my left hand. God compares us over in 1 Corinthians to a body that's assembled together and we need each other. And the one that will say, I don't need it, I don't need to be there are the ones that do not have a proper biblical understanding of the assembly that God's put together. We need it. We need to pray together. We need to encourage each other. We need to uplift each other. We just need to be there. You say, yeah, but people are going to get into need. I just don't have the wherewithal to be able to meet all those needs. No, but we have the greatest tool we could ever have, and that's prayer, a direct line to God, and encouragement one for another. I thought, that's what the church family is all about. You say, Pastor, what do we do during these perilous times? Continue faithfully. Keep your walk with God right. You have no idea when it's going to come the day. Listen, you might not be able to hold a Bible in your hand. I wonder if they walked in right now and took them away, how long would we be able to spiritually survive on what we have committed to memory? I told the account at the prison yesterday because we're going through Revelation. I'm teaching the same lessons I taught all last year as I'm going through Bible study with those up there at the prison. And we got to, we, we were in the church at Ephesus and the church at Smyrna and it mentioned about the persecution. And I brought up about reading the accounts of persecution. And I've heard of these personally from testimonies about how in other parts of the world that they walked in and this would have been under communism times that they walked into a, to a church group that was meeting And shut down the church service, wouldn't let anybody leave, and they walked down front and they put a Bible at the front of the congregation and got up and made an announcement that it's against the law and you need to deny your faith and to show that you come by and spit on this Bible. And can I say this, person after person after person. And there were soldiers that were standing right there with their guns. If you didn't, it cost you your life. And person after person after person came by and denied their Savior. Until one young lady walked by with long flowing hair and knelt down in front of that Bible and picked it up and started wiping it off with her hair. And it cost her her life at the front of that church. You say, well, Pastor, are you trying to scare us into something? No, what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that day's coming, but I will say this we need each other. We need each other. Continue faithfully, pray for your leaders, pray for their salvation. Pray that God will change their hearts and lives. Listen, Proverbs still says, the king's heart's in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. You say, well, that one president isn't just going to change his mind and say, okay, come home. What if God did something? Do we serve a big enough God? And then listen. Assemble and encourage with one another this is just a practical approach there's several other things that I could go into there's a physical side of things this is a spiritual side there's a physical side of things that I could go into I'm going to give it from the pulpit right now perilous times dangerous, hazardous, at risk what are we supposed to do he says in the exact same passage continue it's not time to quit it's not time to throw in the towel It's not time to spend more time out of church. It's time to assemble. It's time to pray. It's time to stay faithful. By God's grace, and I'll commit this to you, by God's grace, I'll be the example. I'll be the example. That's what I'm praying. That's what Paul told Timothy, be thou the example. Okay, let no man despise thy youth. I'm not saying I'm youth. I'm just saying. Be found faithful. I want to encourage you this week. Listen, I'll just read this and I'll be done. Psalm 56, I believe it is. Going off my memory, and I just told you I'm not youth. Maybe I need to find younger friends. Psalm 56. Verse number one, I want to leave you with these verses, and we'll just dismiss in a word of prayer. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me. O thou most high, verse number three, great verse to memorize. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid. I will trust in thee. I'm asking the Lord to be able to help us. Verse 11 says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. A response to the current world situation. Continue faithfully. Pray for our leaders. Assemble and encourage. Assemble and encourage. We'll be here if you need encouragement, you need prayer, I will say this on Thursdays. This is a wonderful place to be able to be here and be able to receive that. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for our church. Lord, there is much uncertainty in this world that's around us. But Lord, we can stand sure upon the authority of the Word of God. David was given us insight that there's times in his life that he's afraid, that he's fearful, But Lord, he said when those times come, he's going to trust in the Lord. And Lord, every one of us that are saved here today, we can say that we've only come this far by the grace of God. And Lord, you've brought us this far, and I believe that you're going to just take us on into eternity. And we can trust you for it. We can believe you for it. But Lord, until then, may we continue faithfully in the things that we've heard, the things that we've learned. May we continue in our prayer life, praying for each other, praying for our leaders. May we assemble, may we encourage each other, build each other up. And Lord, may fellow Christians be lifted higher than they were when they first got around us. May we be an encouragement. Thank you for the scriptures that you've given to us. Thank you for the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. Now we sure do love you. Give us a great remainder of the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.